Hi. 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 <laughs> this is Sip, Survive, and Repeat. That was reverse. Ah. I'm Jenny. I'm Danelle. And I'm Kenny. Welcome to another Tuesday, except for for you. Oh, wait. It is Tuesday for you. What is it for us? Wednesday. Wednesday. It's Wednesday. God yeah. yeah, damn it. The days. Kenny thought it was Thursday today, so... I wish. Although I have to say, don't you feel like February is just like whoosh, flying by, whereas January, it was like January 79th. Yeah. You know? January wouldn't end. No, it was the longest month on earth. And February has an extra day this year because of leap year. Yeah. Great. Great. Um, so let's talk about, well, first of all, if you haven't tuned in before, this is Survive Repeat. We drink adult beverages. I almost spilled mine on my computer. Um, mostly wine, occasionally beer. Sometimes but we mixed don't discriminate. Beverages. Yeah, sometimes if we're if we have to do it at work, we drink like hot tea or whatevs or coffee yeah. or maybe a mixed drink or two. Yeah, that failed miserably when we tried that. But the one time, the one well, time. Yeah. Well, we'll try it again. Yeah, we'll try it again. I, Once I, you it know what I'm nice gonna out. do? I'm gonna make you guys my new favorite drink. Yes, Ooh. the Can New you, York. Have you had it yet? I haven't. It's the it's New good. York sour, everyone. I do love whiskey sours though. Okay, it's very similar. So you use bourbon whiskey. You put that in. Simple syrup, lemon juice. So now we're talking about basically a whiskey sour. That, that's a whiskey sour. Then you take red wine and you pour just a little bit to float on the top of that thing. Mm, mm, mm. And it just sits there waiting for you so to good. soak it up. So good. It's delicious. It's really good. I make Danella drink it when we go out She now. does. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this, I don't know what episode this is going to be, 53 or 54. One of the two. One of them. Uh, we have a special treat for you. So Danella, you want to explain what we're doing? On this episode? Oh, yes. I blinked for a minute. I was like, oh, God. You looked very concerned. What am I supposed to be doing? <laughs> so Jenny and I are going to share a story and tell it together because we had to do doubles this week and it's really hard to do two stories in one week. So this is our way of cheating the system. <laughs> but I think we did this last time when we did the crossover episode and I really liked the vibe. Okay. And I feel like we vibe really well together. Which yeah. Which is why we do this podcast. Right. So here we are. <laughs> Awesome. Okay, so before we get started, I did have, I have a hometown survival story. Ooh, you so. didn't tell me this. Uh, it's a secret. Is this the secret you told me yesterday that you weren't going to tell no, me? No, oh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reveal that on the next episode oh. when we record right after this God, one. Jenny, you're so full of treasures. <laughs> Treasure! And surprises. Okay, this is from Jimmy Miller, so shout out Jimmy. Jimmy. Uh, he said, hello ladies, my name is Jimmy, and I got put on onto your podcast from MFM because I'm a day one murderino. Yeah, shout, you are. Shout out. Uh, <laughs> if you guys are murderinos and love MFM, my favorite murder, um, tell your friends to listen to Sip, Survive, Repeat. We feel like we have a similar vibe, but we have our own thing going. Uh, anywho, this is his story. Okay, this is my story about almost drowning while 30 feet underwater. Hmm. Yikes. Uh, I had just got certified to scuba dive at age 11. Damn. What the fuck? Jimmy. <laughs> Oh, come on. And I was at the famous Mike's Beach on the coast of Oregon. Uh, I was on a dive with my older brother and dad. We were 200 to 300 feet offshore and 30 feet down, just cruising the bottom. Mm -mm. Mm. Me being 11, I easily got distracted and picked stuff up off the bottom like shells and crabs, like live crabs, <laughs> to play with. When I noticed I couldn't see my, my dive partners anymore due to lack of visibility, only like 10 feet, and because I was in the back... Who lets the 11 year old follow anyway? Put right. me in the middle. So I swim so fast. Uh, in the front. <laughs> right. 
So I swim so fast so I can catch up and I run into my brother's kicking a uh, scuba fin and get my regulator knocked out. So the regulator is the thing that you breathe with everyone okay. if you're okay. not a scuba person. I wasn't sure. Uh, it starts blowing air out and travels behind me where I can't reach it. Oh, I no. panic. I look around and decide to make a break for the surface. But after realizing I'm not going to make it, I just gave up and sank back down to the bottom to accept my fate. Oh, my God, Jimmy. Jimmy, it's... you're 11. No. There's so much to you live survive. for. <laughs> you kick. You go. But then my dad pulls me around and sticks his regulator in my mouth, and I can breathe again. Oh. He traces my regulator back to my mouth for me, and we all resurface. I'm still an avid scuba diver and love the ocean to this day. I'm 28. So it didn't scar me too bad, except accepting death. That was pretty messed up. Love your podcast. And I've gotten like 14 other people into it also. Yay. Thank you, Jimmy, for being our advocate. Yay, Jimmy. And thanks for not dying. We appreciate survival stories. (laughs) But I feel like... I would have a similar reaction where I would just be like, okay, this is what, this is what's going to happen. Right. This is how I go. This is the plan now. Like, it's just easier to, that sounds so depressing, Jimmy, but it's, yeah, I I get it. I don't know. At 11. I don't know. I guess I was never in a lot of life and life or death situations at the age of 11. Well, except for that Lake Erie one where you were, that wasn't life or death. That was just stupidity. (laughs) That's true. And most, I mean, worst case scenario, I was going to have to jump in ice cold water and swim back to shore, but (laughs) I was okay. Whoop, whoop. So anyway, that's Jimmy's uh, survival story. And how can people send us their stories, Jimmy? Uh, oh, let me tell you about that. Uh, you can slide into our DMs, as the kids say. You mm-hmm. can do that on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, we also have a Gmail, because we're cool like that, sipsurviverepeat at gmail.com. And um, we, we accept any and all survival stories. So get them to us. We will try and get as many of them on the show as possible. Uh Let's talk a little bit about what wine we're drinking. Yeah, I was just going to say we didn't mention what yeah. we're drinking. So um, I was just too excited to tell you Jimmy's story. That's all. All right. It's Pacificana. It's a Merlot. Or a Merlot, if you like to call it that. <laughs> um, 2018 oak aged. Oak aged. Uh, D- does it, are you going to find the percent alcohol by volume? Yes. Uh, maybe. Oh, 13.9%. Ooh, that's a high one. It did say 1% for the planet. And I'm like, mm, no, that can't be right. That's not right. <laughs> this is one of Jenny's non-alcoholic I wines. I taste that alcohol in there. I know it. Yes. So. And it's oak aged, I believe, is what mm-hmm. the, the commentary was on the front. Yep. From California. And uh, I'm not really sure where in California, but it's very good. Probably near the Pacific Ocean. What price range do you think this is in? I don't know. I So this is one, this is one of my wink uh, wines. Oh from the wink wine subscription i have so um usually their wines are like in this the range that i get are usually around like 15 i was gonna say like 12 to 15 yeah okay. yeah so um but this one i think this is one of those ones wink does a lot of wines that you just can't find at most stores uh that doesn't mean this isn't it just means i didn't do any more research after i opened the <laughs> wink box and brought it here <laughs> you just grabbed and came yeah i was like here we go this is what we're doing um i have seen this bottle at grocery oh okay like cool the high, local it's 13 dollars oh, oh, so 13 dollars in, in the state of ohio or just in general uh on wink.com it's 13 dollars oh. so okay, you canny okay yeah i feel like i've seen this before but um i do like wink i just got another box delivered i'm drinking less wine during the week though so i keep i'm like now stockpiling yeah which I, is fine i am too i have like a lot of wine to drink That's which i'll get through it i feel like in the summer i'll be like back to we're gonna turn it up a notch in the summer yeah because it's like summer it's, yeah. it's cold I, the roads are bad mm-hmm. Can't, whatever nobody cares okay. nobody care. we love you guys so we aren't gonna bore you with the weather in cleveland <laughs> which <laughs> is shitty um okay so 
Let's start. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. So I'm going to start off, and um, the first thing I'm going to start off with is a quote from this oh. person. Okay, this but this is person. not the survivor, is no. it? This, okay, so first we're talking we about... We should probably talk about... Okay, we're doing a survivor <laughs> story. It's the survival of Maria Veracheva. I'm probably saying that wrong, but I'm going to go with it. Um, but first we want to talk a little bit about the person she survived. Exactly. So a quote from him... Um, his name was Alexander, but he also went by Sasha. So I'm going to call him that. I did not write down his last name. Who cares? We don't care. Um, life without murder is like a life for you without food. Nope. Mm -mm, That's different. Exactly. Um, okay. So Sasha was born in 1974 in Moscow, Russia. He lived at home with his mom and worked at the local grocery store stocking shelves. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, when he was four years old, he fell backwards off a swing Yep, and a chain from the swing broke and hit him in the frontal lobe. Yeah. And they said damaging his frontal, his front, the frontal lobe of his brain. I don't know like what medical records he had after that to say that, but he had brain damage after that. Um, side note, every time Declan hits his head, I'm like, shit, is this the one? Is this the one? You're like, serial <laughs> killer hit. Yeah. <laughs> So after the accident, um, his mother, it must've been severe enough because his mom did send him to a special school. Yes. My computer just went dark. Uh Oh, talk amongst yourself. Wait. Okay. I'm back. I'm back. Okay. So it must've been severe enough that his mom sent him to a special school for the disabled, which later in life he had said was one of the most traumatic experiences of his life. So I don't know if they were, he really wasn't that disabled right or maybe they weren't kind there or maybe it just i don't know what he didn't go into any detail as to why you know what year this was um he was four years old he was born in 74 so 78 okay Uh, well i don't know so she sent him to school yeah so he was it was in the 80s 80s yeah yeah i feel i still feel like mental places mental hospitals mental facilities probably weren't up to par um so we all know researchers have found a link between head injuries and you know criminal violence so I'm just gonna leave that right there for you uh his childhood neighbors report that before the accident they knew Sasha as a kind kid and had great empathy for animals and human beings I mean it's hard I feel like that's hard to identify before you're four but they had nice things to say about him I will say like everyone always tells me Declan's four and a half and people always tell me he's he just seems really happy all the time oh okay and I feel like that's a true statement. He, okay. So, the, so it is a statement that a neighbor or someone could yeah. say. Yeah. Like he might, if the neighbor had a dog and maybe Sasha always went over and like played with the dog, you could see like, oh, he likes animals. And they noticed a difference after he hit his head about Uh-oh. how he treated animals and Uh-oh. other people and stuff like that. So Uh-oh. there were signs. Um, he committed his first murder as a student in 1992 at the age of 18. Oh my. So, yeah. Um, he stepped up his crimes in 2001 and beyond, and he stated at one point that he made a list of acquaintances he intended to murder. Oh! Um, and essentially, he said the closer the person is to you, the more pleasant it is to kill them because it's more emotional. Oh, honey. Oh, my God. He was really fucked up. So, But I like how he had a list of acquaintances. So yes. they were people he wasn't that close the to. The closest he was to him. So, um he believed to have killed at least 48 people and it could have been up to 61 to 63. Right. That's a lot. That's a lot of people. And we're in Russia. And we're right? in Russia. We're in Moscow, Russia. Um, he said his goal, his ultimate goal was to kill 64, which is the number of squares in a chessboard. Chess this so is why he was nicknamed. 
the chessboard killer. Uh-huh. Dun, dun, dun. Sick. Which I've never heard of him before. I hadn't either. This is props to Jenny for finding this, because this is a great story. So, um, let's see. He later recanted his statement saying that he only wanted to kill 64, saying that he would have continued to kill me on that. I mean, yeah. Here's the thing. Because I think there was the ploy of, like, I want to fill out my chessboard because he was really good at chess. Yeah. But, like... After you do all that, it's not like you're just going to cold turkey stop killing. He loved it. And he... Yeah, he needs it like food. Right. (sighs) There was also a serial killer in his hometown that he was mimicking. Oh. Um, Well, not mimicking because that that guy was a cannibalist, but he... What was wrong with this town? He just admired this guy. So he was just messed up. So he did target the elderly homeless, um, Mm. male or female. He didn't care. Mostly men, but... And it was... um, specifically in this place called Basista Park. I'm not going to say it right. Sure. It's in Russia. It's a neighborhood. Um, it's about 2,700 acres of woods, and he only lived six minutes from the park. So he grew up mm-hmm. in the area. He lived mm-hmm. with his mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and the serial killer, which he identified with, also murdered people in that area as well. So it was known as like the bad, a bad part of town or the bad neighborhood. There was a lot of hom- homeless, a lot of drugs. Now, did um, you have anything there about how he got into chess? No. Do you okay. know that? I do. Jump I do. In. So apparently, so he was going to this school. We're rewinding a little bit. He was going to school in, with kids with mental disabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and his grandpa saw him and saw the school he was in and said, no, like, what's his name? Alexander is smart. He needs to go to a different school. So the grandpa had Alexander move in with him. Oh, okay. And he made him go to uh, a different school. He taught him how to do um, like how to do things that were more mentally stimulating for Alexander. And chess was one of the big things that he taught mm. Alexander to do. And Alexander would actually go to like tournaments and compete, like playing Bobby chess Fisher style, basically. Mm. And then I think. I want to say when he's a teenager hold on i'm just gonna scoot through my notes real quick well and that's how he met a lot of the homeless men is he would play chess with them in the park yes uh da, 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 da. yeah bitsa park is where he would play bitsa uh-huh um it was a he found a channel for his aggression uh when he was dominating the chess board so basically the winning of chess games gave him satisfaction like that he was winning like Which he was more powerful. Soon turned into murder. Right, 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 right. Um, so his, I don't have the date, but his grandpa eventually died and he had to move back with his mother. Got it. And that's when I think all of this festering kind of started. Um, and I don't, are you going to talk about the videos he used to take? Okay. So when he was still young and he would go anywhere where there were children mm-hmm. playing, he would take a video camera um, and record himself threatening the kids. What? So he said one time he held a child by one leg and on camera that he's filming himself, he says, you are in my power now. I'm going to drop you from the window and you will fall 15 meters to your death. And then he would watch the videos repeatedly to reaffirm his power. So this is after his grandpa died and he was really having trouble like getting that feeling of power back. And so he picked kids to like kind of torture and like videoed it so he could continue to watch it Twisted. like a sick ass. I did not. That was not on Murderpedia. 
great. I just wanted to make sure we all knew what kind of crazy sick shit he was doing. Well, he treated this park as his hunting ground. Oh, and he would find his victims by luring them with vodka, specifically. Smart. He would tell them that his dog just passed away and he wanted to share a glass of vodka with them to celebrate his dog's life. Mm. He did have a dog at one point and he made a comment later on that he didn't treat the dog very well. <gasps> and he wished he would have. That was his one regret. So his I, one regret. I don't know what he did to the dog. I don't want to know what he did to it, but I can't imagine it was an easy life for that dog. Ugh. But that's how he would lure the homeless to go, you know, step away from whatever it is they were doing, like playing chess or just anywhere in the park, um, share a glass of vodka with them, honor his dog. And then after drinking with them, when they would go to walk away, he would hit them in the back of the head with a hammer Ugh. or some type of like hard thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he would then, he, he describes a lot of how he liked he liked to hear the sound of the skulls crushing. Oh he was obsessed with the sound of bones breaking and the sound of metal hitting parts of the body. Ooh, that's one of my biggest fears is hearing a bone break. Ugh. Like I can barely stand it when people crack their I mean I crack my knuckles a lot. I but like crack my knuckles a lot, yeah. I feel like when I hear big pops and cracks, I'm like oh. I know when I blew my knee out like six years ago when they put it back in place uh-huh. manually uh-huh. the popping noise it made was the most disgusting thing oh you've ever i just threw up yeah, oh it God. was disgusting okay so once he hit them over the back of the head and they passed out he would and it doesn't go into detail how he would do this but he would take the vodka bottle what was left of the left of the vodka and put it in the hole in so their head fill their brain up with basically alcohol to continue their to speed along their death or just just to be a death <laughs> Yeah. I also read an article that said he also did sexual things to the holes oh. in the skulls, but that was only in one article and I didn't read that anywhere else. So I don't know. I didn't know. see that anywhere. I saw the vodka bottle thing. Yeah. I, I didn't see any other sexual like ties that he did with any of his victims. So I'm not sure that that was Yeah, accurate. It didn't seem like it was a sex thing. It really mm-hmm. was more of a power thing. So I didn't, I didn't have it in my written notes because okay. I just didn't want to give it light, but there was one piece of article that sure, did say sure. that. So um, he said that he would also attack, always attack from behind, behind to avoid spilling blood on his clothes. So <laughs> you don't want to ruin neat. that turtleneck. He was a neat murderer. Um, oh my God. I feel like you can't be neat if you're bashing someone in the head with right. a hammer. That shit's going to splatter. He would then discard most of the bodies earlier on when he was murdering, um, maybe, I don't know, one through 35 <laughs> bodies. He would then discard <laughs> them in the sewer. Yeah. And... Um, later in his murdering, he got a little more sloppy and he also liked to tease the cops and he oh, wanted God. them to know, like he would just leave the weapon behind and he was getting sloppy. Um, he claimed that while killing the people, he felt like God as he decided whether his victims should live or die. He said he felt like the father of all of these people since it was him who opened the door for them to be in another world. Sir. Very bizarre. Very bizarre. So that's his backstory. And then Jenny's going to jump in and talk about the survivor that yes. kicked his ass. Yes. Yes. I mean, I don't yes. know if she really kicked his ass, but she didn't, but she, she I think this is part of the reason he got, she caught. helped take him down. Yeah. Okay. So our survivor is called, or called is named Maria Viracheva. Uh, she was three months pregnant oh. and unmarried, uh, 19 years old. Okay. So young Maria, uh, she was working in a saleswoman. um, and she was about to have a run-in with uh, Alexander, but she didn't know that, obviously. Um, she was at her new job uh, and had been set up, uh, I'm sorry, and had been set up with it. That's not good English, mm-hmm. whoever wrote this. Uh, Probably someone in Russia. 
that's probably translated. Right. Uh, she'd been set up with a job from her boyfriend. Okay. Um, and her boyfriend was also the father of the child. Great. Good for you. Good. He's helping her out <laughs> in more ways than one. So Great. earlier in the day, uh, Maria had gotten into a fight with her boyfriend. And she felt distraught and ended up at a metro station in Moscow. So I'm not sure if she took a metro and then was in Moscow or like just went to the train station to be distraught there. It Mm -hmm. seemed odd. Or maybe she was going to make a run for it. Like she was pissed at her boy. I don't know. But she's at this train station. She's just distraught. She needs space. Here's the thing. She's also three months pregnant. And as someone who has been pregnant three months, your hormones are wackadoodle. Wackadoodle. Anything could set you off. You Mm -hmm. don't even know. You don't even know. So um, Alexander saw Maria all upset and he was like, hey, I'm going to strike up a conversation with you. Um, and Maria, who was so desperate and alone, welcomed the company. Mm-hmm. Um, so he heard of her situation, her fight with her boyfriend. And so Alexander offered her a chance to earn some additional money. Mm-mm. So he said he had stashed some stolen cameras and, that, uh, and they were in a well nearby the, the station. Sounds super logical. Yeah, it was. They were stashed in a well in Bitsevsky, Bitsevsky Park, uh, and he wanted to give her some of these cameras so that she could sell them and get oh. be- get some money. You know. Okay. Cool. Thanks, buddy. Why are they in a well? Why are they? Why are they in a well? But she's not thinking clearly, and um. So I guess part of the problem is is God, my computer's doing weird stuff again. Um, part of the problem was. Because her boyfriend got her the job that she did have, since they got into this big argument, she wasn't sure she'd have a job when she went back. Okay. So I think that was really the catalyst. The motivator for her. Yeah, she was like, okay, yeah, I can sell some cameras. And she's pregnant, and she's thinking, like, how am I going to support this child? I'm alone. Or maybe she wasn't planning on going back to her boyfriend. Right. So... It doesn't go into the details of the fight with the boyfriend, right. so I'm I don't know. I'm just picturing that it was a bad fight, she's freaking out, and yeah. maybe, you know, we don't make the best decisions whenever we're in that state, so... Correct. Um, so he said, um, let's go retrieve the cameras. And she was okay with it because again, she was worried she wouldn't have a job when she got back to her boyfriends. Uh, they arrived at the spot and Alexander, AKA Sasha, I I keep reminding myself that you said his name was Sasha. I just feel like it's easier to call him Sasha. Um, he lifted the cover from the well and he told her to look inside. No, Mm -mm. don't, don't do it. Don't look for those cameras. And as she did, he quickly snatched her up and threw her in the well. Ugh. Dick move. Dick move. <laughs> Surprise dick move. Um, now, this isn't the first time he did this. He did. Oh. Uh, I know he used a hammer in a lot of his murders, but actually the first like one or two murders, he just threw people in sewers. And his first few murders were his friends. Yeah. And he just, like, threw, yeah, he just threw them in fucking sewers and let them die down there. Yeah. It was his MO. Blah. Um, as she got thrown in. She clung to the sides of the well to avoid following. But Sasha, Alexander, whatever, grabbed her head and repeatedly Mm. slammed it into the side of the well. Boom, boom, Mm. boom. Yeah. So she wasn't down super far at this point. She had caught herself pretty high up. And so then he was smashing her head into the wall so that she would fall down. Um, So she didn't have much choice but to let go. And the last thing she heard him yell at her before he put the cover back on the well because he put the cover back on the well, which is terrifying. He said, take a bath in there. Dick. Rude. Rude. Real rude. 
Um, so she was plummeting into darkness. She fell over 30 feet. So far and yeah. so dark. And yeah, nine meters for the folks that are on the metric system. Before landing in knee-deep sewage water. Oof. Gross. Um, and it was rapidly flowing down a drain pipe. She was caught in the current, and only by swiftly removing her jacket and her boots was she able to uh, stop herself from being caught in the current. Like, she needed to have less stuff on. Ugh, okay. Um, she was able to place her hands and feet on the side of the drain, and then that helped to stop her from going further down and getting carried away by the current. Um, okay. So since she stopped herself... Um, she had stopped herself near another well leading up from the drain pipe, mm-hmm. and she managed to actually climb up to the top. But she She's was like too Spider Man. Yeah, basically, she was too weak to open the cover. Okay. On the well, so um, she just was yelling all she could, and she was trying to move it. So it was kind of making like I'm guessing a clanging noise. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing it's metal on rock. Yeah, I guess. I'm picturing the ring. Yeah. The you know like that kind of well. Yeah. I don't know. Um. So, thankfully, a passing woman heard the screams and saw the top moving, like, like uh. jiggling around. So, she went and got two security guards, and they ran over and pulled the cover off and grabbed Marietta and put her, uh, you know, took her back to the station. Um, here's something unbelievable, though. Russia. Uh, <laughs> unbelievably, the police refused to investigate the incident. Hmm. And they were forced Maria to sign a statement saying she had fallen into the well herself. No way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But why? I, I guess they were like, what kind of killer would throw you in a well and just leave? Like, that's a... And ma'am, there are no cameras in wells. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. I'm, that was, I'm not victim shaming. No, but it, I mean, pretty hilarious. Okay. Um, so she didn't, she didn't, she basically had to sign this and she did. I think she just wanted to get out of there. Um, but much later, he was finally apprehended under suspicion of 48 murders, which we then found out was closer to 60-something. Between 60 and 63. Mm-hmm. Um, and had the police listened to her, um, they could have prevented a lot of murders from mm-hmm. happening because, obviously... I wonder where this happened in the timeline of his murdering spree. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure. So he was, let's see. He was arrested in 2006. Yeah, his his killing streak was 1992 to 2006. And in 2007 is when he was sentenced. But I just don't know when Maria was. made Yeah, made it. Oh. Um, so, hold on, hold on. Uh, oh, here's what, this is how they caught him. Uh, it was the murder of Marina... Moskalova. She was 36, and she was killed in June of 2006, and that was his last murder. Uh, her body was found in Bitsa Park, and it had the trademark injuries that we discussed before, mm-hmm. the hammer and the bottle of vodka. Um, they basically found a metro ticket in the victim's possession, and so they they knew what metro she had come from, so then they went and watched the security footage, mm, and they okay. saw her alive with him. With him. And they, they were able to figure out that it was probably him who killed. Um, so he must also hung out at the metro station a lot, too, yeah. if this was not his first. So um, when they picked him up, apparently this is a thing in Russia. If I'm wrong, Russian people let me know. But uh, once he was arrested, the, he went and, like, could describe and like he would take them to the places where he mm, killed people and mm-hmm. he would describe in great detail exactly how he did like it. Like he was excited to, to, to tell relive them. It. Yeah. It's kind of like how he used to video himself, like, 
tormenting little kids so that it was like a memory that he could relish Mm -hmm. um so he said most of the time he would shove victims down into the network of sewers under running underneath bits of park um but one of those people did survive and that was maria yes maria survivor um so he basically he got um his brain tested oh he did i didn't he did once he got arrested they wanted to like kind of figure out if something was wrong mm-hmm. with him. So, um, experts at the Ser- Serbsky, it's <laughs> a funny name, Institute, uh, it was, it's Russia, Russia's main psychiatric clinic, found uh, Sasha to be sane, but oh. he was suffering from antisocial personality disorder and narcissistic personality disorder. You think? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in all, he was arrested on June 16, 2006 and convicted on 24... Or, I'm sorry, convicted on the 24th of October, 2007, of 49 murders and three attempted murders. Mm-hmm. So that's as many as they could get. He asked them to add 11 additional murders to it because I think he was trying so hard to get to that count, uh-huh. which I'm so, I don't think they did because there were no bodies to, and, Plus, and, and fuck we're you. Not, we're not, we're not here for your, we're not here for your stupid chessboard, yeah, loser. Get, so I guess the chessboard itself, he had, uh, I don't know, in his place, I don't know if it was an apartment or what. Um, when he would kill someone, he would put the date on the square Ooh. of the murder. So he would put, like, this date. Because he didn't know the people's names. But that's how he was right. trying to collect the chessboard. So anyway, um, he is now spending his days. Uh, oh, this is terrible. Russia, you guys are hard asses. Um, he got sentenced to life in prison mm-hmm. with the first 15 years to be set, spent in solitary confinement. He was also housed in a glass cage during the trial, too. Oh, was he? Because mm-hmm. oh, he was so, like, people like were so him. afraid of him that they put him in a glass cage. They should be afraid mm-hmm. of him. He's a terrible person. So um, life in prison, first 15 years in solitary confinement. Yeah. Yikes. Uh, he was in solitary confinement at the Arctic penal colony called mm. Polar Owl. Mm. Ooh, ooh. Bye, bye. <laughs> Oh, also I read that there is, he is engaged. Oh, shut, no! Because there's a woman. Who wants vodka in in her brain? In Russia, that, she said it was love at first sight. She saw, like, his first interview he gave on TV or whatever, and she writes him, she would write him letters and go visit him. So they were engaged until the prison was like, no more. You cannot see, like, no, you're not allowed any visitors. Like, go away. I like so how Russia's just like, you know what? No. Right. We're taking this away. They're like, we're at the Arctic Owl. You're not, this isn't happening. This isn't a bar. Yeah. So I don't know if they're still dating or what, but I know he was, he did have like a, a fan, which is disgusting, but. Gross. Yeah. So that's the chess board killer. And his and the survivor, survivor. Maria. Shout out. Maria, Maria. Okay. Mm. So uh, yes, she lived and now it's time for Kenny to tell us weird news. Okay, so, excuse me. A bride and groom expect their guests to sit through what as part of their destination wedding? Mm. A bride and groom on a destination wedding expect their guests to sit through... What? Oh. They're in Cancun, by the way. A timeshare presentation. Okay, Jenny. That was a good one. That was a good... You guys, 2020, February is my year, my month. (laughs) Things are looking up. Things are looking up. Uh, Okay. They were going to make them. It was something they had to watch. 
Just sit through. Just sit through. Sit through. Um, oh, God, that's hard. Uh, they had to sit through an artist making a sand sculpture of the two of them. That's actually a good one, Jenny. <laughs> but Danelle's right. Yes! Oh, my God! I've never won before. I want to thank, first off, <laughs> Jenny and Kenny for having the patience for me and all of my stupid, dumb guesses throughout the year. Thank you so much. I will accept this this award. Oh my god! Today, now pour me a glass of wine, bitches. Oop. That's okay. great. But like with it, they're saying uh, so they have to sit through it, but they're getting like no discount or anything. So they think the bride and groom are like trying to scam. Oh. The guest. And so a guest like posted this, being like, "Is this a scam? Like, are the bride and groom trying to scam me? Because everyone has to go sit through it." They said, but they're getting no discount on their room. Or their flight or anything. So they think the bride and groom are like somehow getting off with something. Oh, yeah. I bet you they maybe got a free stay if they agreed to like bring X amount of people oh, to, I'm sure. right? Yeah. Oh, my Who would God. do that? And the kicker the wedding's on a Monday. Ah, <laughs> oh, dick. Who are these people? The Monday is 420. So they're probably, you know, just potheads or something yeah. when they get married on 420. Sure, sure, sure. And, yeah. I mean, asking people to go to a wedding on Monday in Cancun. And then sit through and a timeshare. Time have you ever sat through a timeshare? Oh, yeah. I have not. Have I've you? Never sat oh, my God. Them. It's the devil. Don't do it. And I heard if Unless you, just... you seriously want to buy a timeshare, don't do it. And they really try... Like, it's hard to leave, right? I mean, yeah. I've seen the South Park episode of Yeah. It's basically like you get called... You, like, sit through a presentation. Then they take you to go look at some of the rooms. Like, look But can't you just this. be like, no, I'm not interested. I'm leaving. Well, that's... They start tricking you then. So, so you're like... Yeah, I don't think we're really interested. We just wanted to get our free vouchers for like Universal Studios. Right. So bye. Um, they and they're like, okay, well, we just need to do an exit survey. I'm gonna go get Pam, the exit survey guru. Then Pam comes out and she's like, no, I heard you didn't want to do this, but what if I throw in this? And then you're like, no, but wait, there's more. And then you're like, no, we really just came for the free passes, so we aren't gonna actually buy a timeshare. Okay, that's fine. Uh, here, complete this. I'm gonna go uh, just get the. Uh, the exit interview, it's my boss, so I, he just needs to come over and talk to you. So then he comes over, and he's, like, crossing prices out of sheets, and be, you can get 25% off if you sign up before noon today. And I'm just, I don't know why he has this pe- accent. But. but what about the people that just buy it offhand without trying to leave? They're paying full, 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 full price. Yeah, I mean, never do that if you're actually planning to buy right. timeshare. But... No, that's not my jam. It's the worst. I only have gone to them to get free stuff. Like, yeah, and it's not worth the it. The last time I was in Cancun, we got stuck for two hours in a timeshare thing. And it was so that I could get a fucking one hour massage at the spa. I should have just paid for the, yeah. spa, the spa massage because <laughs> it wasn't worth it. No, it was so, I mean, I will say of all the timeshare ones I've been to, the most recent one that I've done was the least painful. Hmm. Um, but me and my husband, Donald have decided that, we will never sit through timeshare things again, no matter what rewards we're going to get. It's well, Kenny, so if you and Kim, when you get married, when that day comes. On a Monday in Cancun. On a Monday on 420, I expect a full timeshare presentation for that. You guys aren't getting any discount. <laughs> You're going to take it all. It. That's my gift to you. There you go. Hooray. Well, well, thanks for listening. Yeah, this has been Sip, Survive, Repeat, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, it's Jenny from Sip, Survive, Repeat, and we love our listeners, but we want to get some more ratings and reviews. So if you guys could log on to Apple Podcasts and then give us a rating and a review, we'll send you 
a sticker. All you need to do is send us a screenshot of your rating and your review to either our email, sipsurvivorpete at gmail.com, or direct message us, or DM us as the kids like to say, on any social media. So all you have to do again is rate and review on Apple Podcasts and take a screenshot of that and send it to us at one of the channels I just mentioned. And we'll send you a Sip, Survive, Repeat sticker. And it's big, you guys. Size of your hand at least. So again, send it to us and we'll see you soon.